When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Joined here, Jason Caldwell, to break down what we just saw on Saturday night, very late Saturday night in Death Valley, and Auburn finally broke the curse, beating LSU in Tiger Stadium for the first time since 1999. Um, Wasn't pretty throughout the game, and honestly, it didn't look like a great start for Auburn, um, but defensive adjustments there. Um, played a really good second half on the defensive side of the ball, and Bo Nix made plenty of magic. And so, Jason, we'll just get right into it, talking about you know the implications of this game because you were down on the field after the game, running around chasing uh, coaches and players, and you got a great video on our site um, of their reaction. And you know this is something that Auburn fans have been waiting a long time for, but at the same time, a, a brand new coaching staff and a bunch of players who probably weren't even alive um, when Auburn last won there. Seemed like they they understood the kind of the gravity of what they just accomplished. Yeah, you know, they've been you know guys that have been here for for more than a year. Uh, you know, they understood because they heard it two years ago. It was twenty years, two years ago. And so they they knew it. Um, when you got a guy like Bo Nix on this team, he knows Auburn history probably um, as well as just about anybody. I think he understood the gravity of the situation. And, uh, I think it showed, you know, his play when he came you know back in. You know, there in the second quarter, you know, I look like a guy that played with his hair on fire. We've seen that guy. I've seen that guy a bunch. Uh, I think that was the first time that maybe some of his teammates and, and a lot of these coaches have seen that guy, and, and they saw it last night. Uh, but, you know, I think you look, uh, it was it was a big win, no question. And I thought it was a, it was a, a day that a lot of folks grew up on both sides of the ball, coaches, players, everybody seem to find their group a little bit um, somewhat. Uh, I mean, I don't know what more you can say about the defense after that early start. Uh, one big play, uh, the touchdown, other than a couple of throws to, to Bash and, and a few, few plays, uh, they put the clamps on, got pressure on the quarterback. It was everything that kind of people been kind of waiting to see out of this group. They showed up and then you know, offensively, uh, you know, kind of had to come out and sling it around a little bit, got into a little bit of a tempo with more of a two-minute look and, you know, just let Bo Nix make plays, and he did that. So it was uh, it was what this team needed. And they got a boost of confidence now as they get ready for a, a very tall task uh, against Georgia. Let's touch on Bo Nix a little bit more because, obviously, we didn't know this week whether he'd be the starting quarterback. Um, according to the ESPN broadcast, I mean, the Harson didn't communicate that decision to them um, until Friday. And, and there was still an opportunity for TJ Finley. That third drive of the game for him, Harson said afterwards, was scripted, you know, the, regardless of what happened. Maybe if Bo had come out on fire and you know, lead two straight touchdown drives, you don't pull him. Um, but Auburn hadn't scored any points those first two drives. And so you give Finley an opportunity. Um, and Nick still never missed a beat. He came in, Auburn scored 17 points over its next four drives. But like you just said, Jason, you know, this is probably the first time for a lot of these coaches seeing, you know, backyard bow 
make those kinds of plays that he did. Obviously, that that throw to Tyler Fromm was one of the most incredible plays we've seen all season. Maybe you know the best play individually he's made um, in his career. Just what did you think about Bo's performance and really the way he was able to come back um, and kind of have this focus and mentality about him after what he admitted was a really frustrating week, you know, getting benched for the first time in his career for him to come back and, and have such a big game like that. Yeah, I thought it, it showed a lot of character. Um, I, you know, the, maybe the, the biggest thing is, is that the ball was in his hands a ton, running the ball and throwing the ball, no turnovers. Um, they protected the football, you know, the offense, you know, it, it, it wasn't bothered by crowd, the atmosphere, the situation. They didn't execute at times, but I didn't think they were overwhelmed by anything. And, and yeah, no, I thought I thought he, he made really good decisions, uh, some check downs. Uh, you know, maybe their third quarter a little bit more uh, pressing some, um, and then went back to the short game. So I, I thought short game was going to be a key coming into the week, and it was. John Samuel Schenker, Sean Shivers, those guys. Those were big plays. And, you know, getting Demetrius Robertson back out there again, um, you know, proved to be a, a big deal for Bo, um, a healthy Demetrius Robertson. He made some, some big plays. So, all in all, you look at it and, um, you know, that was, uh, that was a game where you look at, at Bo and look at the way they responded. And, uh, you know, once again, you start talking about, start talking about growth you know, in a new offense, a new system, new quarterback coach again, all these things, um, that was a big deal. Yeah, six catches for 60 yards for Demetrius Robertson um, in his game back after missing the Georgia State game last week. And, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, only 15 plays didn't go through Bo Nix. They only ran the ball to their running backs 15 times. Other than that, he you know was either running the ball, rushing, you know, design run, scramble or he was throwing the ball on, on 61 of Auburn's 75 snaps. And so he's actually about to break his interception, no interception streak, I guess you should say. Um, he's got five passes left, and then he's going to break the streak um, that he himself set last year of, uh, I believe it's 251 straight passes without an interception. Obviously, he doesn't have a pick. This season um, didn't look amazing on paper, but if you watch the game, anybody who watched the game, Bo Nix, you know, was obviously um, trending across college football last night just because people were watching the game and, Saw a lot of you know Johnny Manziel in him. He was really having one of the best games we've seen from him in a long time. I think that's probably you know Harson said, look, that's that that was part of the game plan to get him involved with his legs. And I think you bring up a good point, Jason. That you know it takes time to learn a new offense, even if Auburn fans would like for that you know process to be expedited by the time you get into SEC play. Um, I think Auburn's got it figured out now. I don't know what you think about this. That you know maybe the running game will pick up you know a little bit more, but. I think probably the plan moving forward with Bo from from what we saw for Harson in this game plan was, look, you, you need to play to his strengths um, and just let him be the kind of player he is. It's not always going to be pretty, but uh, it's it's how he's going to go out there and make plays for the offense. Yeah, and I, and I think it's, you know, we're talking about putting the ball in his hands. Um, he's a guy that is at his best when you're spreading the field, has some tempo, um, and let him kind of maneuver. Uh, that's that's where, he, you know, the end of the Oregon game, you know, playing Alabama a couple of years ago, that's where that's where he's at his best. That's where a lot of these quarterbacks are at their best. You look at Max Johnson. Um, that's not a guy that, uh, you know, when you start looking at him, you know, getting under center and that team running the football, that's not what he does the best. Um, um, I think when you look at, at, you know, kind of this team and the things they're doing, 
uh, moving forward. I would expect to see much forward. You start thinking about the running game. You're gonna have to run it, and they, this team still needs to run it to be successful. But uh, yeah, I would imagine, especially this week, when you start talking about Georgia, uh, Auburn's gonna have to go out and make some plays in the passing game and make some plays in the passing game down the field if they want to come away with a win. Well, and we talked about the receivers all week long, getting rid of the Brian Harson firing receivers coach Cornelius Williams four games into the season. They were not. I mean, Robertson made a lot of good plays, and you're exactly right. Bo was a lot more decisive. You saw a lot more of the you know two step, you know boom boom, and then look downfield and, and get the ball out quickly. Like you said, you know he's got the the quick arm talent to be able to do that. But he was helped out a lot by the tight ends um, and the running backs today. Sean Shivers had two receptions on that 92 yard touchdown drive. Both of them converted third downs. Um, and then how about how about John Samuel Shanker um, to go out there and have the kind of game that he did. Um, to go out there and, and, and lead Auburn in receptions and or lead Auburn in receiving yardage. And then obviously, you know, we hadn't seen much of the other tight ends this season in terms of catching passes, but Tyler Fromm ended up having one of the biggest catches of the day. So this kind of solidified that even if they can't figure things out with the receivers right now and they can't get on the same page 100%, it looks like these tight ends are going to be uh, are going to be one of Nick's strong suits moving forward. He seemed pretty comfortable getting the ball to them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, those are those are huge plays. You know, Shinkers, you know, he plays and and hey, he's probably he's probably as upset as anybody today because he had the opportunity probably for another fifty yards. Um, you know, last night and, and and a couple of drops for him, which are very unusual. But um, when you look at you know Tyler Fromm, it's a guy that we saw in the spring going, hey, is he ready to take that step? Thought he was going to be a guy that could be a um, you know, possibility to go make some plays there in a passing game um, didn't happen, um, but it did. You know, on, on Saturday night, and you know when that happens, you start looking at a guy that that gives you maybe the ability to stretch the field some and do some of those things. Um, you know, it, it it could be a uh, a valuable piece of uh, you know for this team in terms of what they're doing um, in the passing game. So the second straight game, talking about the running game a little bit, it it didn't. Didn't exactly pop until kind of later into the second half, but Brian Harson said, you know, sometimes sometimes that's just got to be the game plan. Sometimes you're better off throwing the ball, but you keep that running game kind of in the back of your pocket. Um, and for the second straight game, it wasn't Tank Bigsby. Bigsby's longest run of the day was 11 yards, and it's again Jarquez Hunter who leads Auburn in rushing. Um, he's got the number one yards per carry mark in the country right now at 10.6 yards per carry. Only guy in the country that's got it in double digits. Right now, just what what more can we say about him? And and it seems like he's, I mean, I mean, I know he's Auburn's backup running back right now, but he looks about as talented as anybody on that offense right now, um, in terms of his ability to come in and and provide a spark at any given time in the game. And look, his teammates said, you know, he's got the maturity of a of an upperclassman. It all starts at practice for him, where you know they said it doesn't matter if it's it's Saturday night in Baton Rouge or a Tuesday afternoon practice in Auburn. He brings that same intensity. Um, and we've seen that all season long. It seems like he's kind of just improving over the course of the year. Yeah, no, uh, he, he runs physical. He, he's not afraid of the moment. Um, the moment was as big as it could be last night. And, you know, he finds a way to finish it off. Um, you know, I, you look and, you know, I think Tank, you know, obviously there, there's been something, you know, he just doesn't look like the same guy right now running through tackles. I think some of it too is, it's him bouncing plays outside. I think Dark West Hunter's done a better job of, of kind of hitting the hole and doing some of those things. Um, if there's a game for, for Tank to have a little bit of uh, extra motivation, it ought to be this week. But you got Dark West Hunter, and then, 
Sean Shivers been waiting for an offense to kind of find a spot for him, you know, since he's been here. Uh, I think he's found it now. And third down back, catch the ball out of the backfield, um, making some plays on the perimeter of a defense. He had some big catches in that win over LSU. I mean, really big catches. And so um, I, I thought all around, um, you know, the, while the running backs, it wasn't a huge game for them running the football, there were some plays that were made and, and they were a big part of things. Yeah, you're exactly right. So Robertson led the team in receptions with six, but Shivers had five right behind him. And three of those five catches were on third downs and all three of them moved the chains. One was that third and 10. They're backed up against their own goal line. He made a shifty move to get past the guy. Um, and then two more were on that last drive, kind of swing passes out of the backfield to move the chain. So yeah, you're exactly right. Seems like these three guys, Auburn knows it has a talented backfield. Finally, um, you know, figuring out what exactly their roles are. We'll talk about the defense a little bit too, because the, the, you know, their performance is going to be overshadowed a little bit by what Bo Nix did, but you're exactly right. You talked about it in the open, Jason, that um, we thought this might be a repeat of the Penn State game that first drive because Max Johnson had went six for six for 122 yards on the first drive. And yeah. they, they, they were able to throw for more. They would go for more than 100 on the drive because they got backed up um, with a fumble near the goal line. And so um, didn't look pretty, but man, credit to that defense for for coming around and fixing things in the secondary. I thought Nehemiah Pritchett made a lot of good pass breakups over the course of the game. But really, Jason, we've been looking for that pass rush. Um, and with guys like Derek Hall and Colby Wooden, and they didn't have TD Moultrie either. Um, those guys really came through and, and made it difficult for Johnson down the stretch of the game. Yeah, you know, guy, I wrote about uh, the first of last week, Uculiota. I need to see more of that guy. We saw more of him last night. He played well, too, uh, Romello Hyde off the edge. Um, they got some production, you know, without TD Moultrie. It was, it was, it was really important. Uh, and you're right, Nehemiah Pritchett, we saw it in the spring, saw some against Penn State, but they moved Pritchett basically into that nickel roll. Um, and I thought it helped them take away some of those plays in the middle of the field there. You know, they had a few with, with Besh um, throughout the game, but for the most part, you know, after that first drive, uh, other than a couple of plays, they really put the clamps down on, on, on that team and uh, got a lot of credit to Derek Mason. He gave all the credit to the players, though. I uh, talked to him on the field after the game for a couple of minutes in that, in that celebration video, and he's like, hey, it's all on them. Um uh, that's who he is. That's kind of a coach he is. But those defensive guys were happy because I think they've been waiting. You know, people talk about it all the time on offense. They don't talk about it, I mean, as much on defense. When you make a change in coordinators and a change in systems, it takes a little while for those guys to kind of figure it out. I thought they figured it out a little bit more last night. Um, you know, didn't see the bus. Didn't see those, those plays happen like we had against Penn State and even against Georgia State. Um, and that was that was important. Um, just I don't know that the first play was a bust. You know, I, you know, maybe just a little misconfusion, but they weren't. I don't think it was a lineman issue. They blitzed on play one, and, and LSU called them. Um, sometimes that happens, but um, you know, the, the the story of the game for me, Bo Nix, and then the story of the game was Auburn's pass rush. Those guys were able to get back there, pressure. I think they had six quarterback hurries. They probably had a double that. In reality, they probably had ten or twelve. Uh, they didn't get credit for, so um, you know, I, they they were a big difference and get a couple of stops down there. If you go down three scores in that game, it, it's probably something you can't come back from. And they kept forcing field goals, only six points allowed in the second half. That's what it takes. 
Yeah, you're right. And and again, to anybody who hasn't gone and watched the reaction video, that was probably my favorite part was Derek Mason there at the end talking to you on the field about the defense's performance. Yeah, in the fourth quarter, only two first downs for LSU. Like you said, only six points in the second half. Um, their four drives in the fourth quarter were punt, 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 and an interception. So not much more you could ask for from Auburn's defense to close out the game. Um, Jason, you know, as we do every week, we'll, we'll get into the, the next matchup later as the week goes on. But we know Georgia's defense is on pace to be incredible. Um, this season, they're the best in the country at pretty much every major statistical category. But what was it about this game against LSU that maybe led you to believe that Auburn's got an opportunity um, to make things difficult? Because I think it was the tight ends and the running backs utilizing them in the past game. And then really just the fact that it doesn't really seem like it matters who Bo Nix is going up against, what the defense looks like pre-snap, who the guys are on the field. I mean, Georgia's got the best defense in the country, but LSU's got a plenty of athletes too, who couldn't wrap up Bo Nix. Um, so I think Auburn gets a little confidence in this game. It wasn't the prettiest offensive performance or, you know, most consistent, most crisp or anything like that in the world. But I think you're probably a lot more confident after this win heading into Georgia that you can maybe find out a way to score against that defense when uh, not many people have figured out how to do that all season. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, you know, we talked about it before the year. The most important thing for this team's confidence, they got guys that can make plays. They got guys that can do all those things. Can, do, you, do you believe you can do it in this offense? And, and can you do it consistently? Um, it wasn't as consistent last night as they wanted it to be, but I thought it was another step. Like, you know, we saw Penn State where they, they made some steps. I thought there were some steps last night. Can you take enough steps? Can the defense go out there and and not allow Georgia to run the football and, and say, look, we're going to make you throw it? Um, they did that against LSU, and LSU kind of abandoned it. Georgia won't abandon that run early. Uh, but can you do it enough to put them in some third and long situations and, and pin your ears back and see what happens? But, yeah, no, it's confidence. I think this is a team that gained a lot of confidence winning for the first time in a place in 22 years. And that's a big deal when you come home now. Uh, great crowd, big-time environment. This will be their the first chance for the fans to really be involved in a game like this in a couple of years. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, you're exactly right because their three home games so far have been uh, their out-of-conference kind of easier opponents, although Georgia State didn't end up being that way. Um, but on paper, it was. Um, and also in this game, I thought we saw that Brian Harson, you know, how he's going to approach a game like this in a big game um, and in a big spot in terms of his aggressive play calling they went for it on fourth down three times um, and he said you know that's something in, in big games like this you've got to be able to keep drives moving that's the number one thing um, that's going to allow you to come away with a win so we'll probably see that same aggressiveness going to have to come up with something um, scheme something up have a good game plan and like you said your guys are going to have to go out there and make play late make plays um, if you're going to have an opportunity against Georgia so Jason we will let you go now you guys are on the road heading back home be safe driving back thank you guys so much for listening to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Uh, please leave us a five-star review if you guys enjoyed it. Um, the intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. Check him out on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. Until the next episode, everybody have a good start to the week. We'll talk to you all later.